you have a Bible, I want to invite you to grab it. Uh, if you don't own one, uh, come find us after the service. We'll be glad to get you one, uh, or you can download it on your smart device. Uh, we're going to be in the book of John, uh, chapter 14, uh, is where we're going to be at. If you, if you missed last week, uh, Jesus said some pretty, pretty audacious, uh, gave us some pretty audacious promises. And uh, I'll highlight that in just a second. Um, but before we get into John chapter 14, let me just kind of set the scene, uh, if I can. The disciples here are experiencing a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear, a lot of worry uh, about the future, about what's about to happen within the next uh, few minutes, few hours, uh, because this is last, Jesus' last moment uh, with the boys, with the 11, all right? Minus the one guy who's already left, okay? And so now they're down to just 11 plus Jesus, and things are about to get really bad for the disciples. And, and Jesus addresses the elephant in the room, and he addresses really the heart of the matter, and he gives them this profound statement. In John chapter 14, he says, in, in Matthew's translation, y'all chill out. Don't worry. It's going to be Okay. And I love that. And then Jesus later on, and he tells them how this is going to be okay. He, he works this out for him. He's like, listen, here's why I can tell you don't worry. Because I'm leaving you, and I'm not just leaving you to be like, all right, y'all, go figure it out on your own. I'm leaving you because I'm going to go prepare a place for you so that you could also be with me, with my Father in our dwelling. And this gives them, like, at least a little bit of hope. Not too much, because they're still kind of questioning, and they're still kind of uh, wrestling with the fear and the anxiety uh, that's being uh, very pr presented to us pretty well in the room with them. And so then Jesus, um, he goes on and he, and he says some pretty interesting things. And so he says, uh, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. Also, while you're here, you're going to do greater things. Now, if you remember last week, that's where we kind of talked about, about uh, what greater things are. We, we realized that Nobody in this room, we got a little bit different people here this morning, but we're going to assume you've never raised the dead. Anybody ever raised the dead? Physically raised the dead? You a lie if you raise your hand. I'll see you at the altar. You, you didn't. So Jesus isn't saying, hey, greater things. I raised the dead, you will too. If you look at context, what's happening here, he's like, listen, Jesus's ministry was just three years. Greater things, uh, the extent of time, you'll outlast my ministry. Greater things is that you'll go beyond Palestine. Greater things is that you'll, you'll, you'll expand location with the gospel. Greater things is that it's not just going to be 11 folks anymore. It's going to go to the thousands. Peter goes out and preaches and 3,000 follow Jesus. That's greater things. And for us, this, isn't, this wasn't just for 11 disciples. That's a universal promise for the universal church. Yeah. You want to experience greater things in your life? Go out and preach the gospel. Go outside the context or the confines of your home and your four walls. And you will experience greater things. And the greater thing is the miracle of being resurrected from spiritual death into spiritual life. That's greater things. And now we find ourselves in this text where Jesus kind of throws a little wrench in there. 
after he says greater things will you do then he says this if you love me look at verse 15 if you love me you will keep my commands and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you I will not leave you as orphans I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see no, see me no more but you will see me because I live you also will live in that day you will know that I am in the father and you and me and I and you whoever has my commandments and keeps them he it is who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him now notice Judas not Iscariot John's always like trying to point that out said to him Lord how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world and Jesus answered if anyone loves me he will keep my word and my father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him whoever does not love me does not keep my words and the word that you hear is not mine but the father's who sent me these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you but the helper the Holy Spirit whom the father will send in my name what give me that word he y'all, y'all paying attention he I know it's a lot of text y'all calm down he will teach you <coughs> all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you peace I leave with you and my peace I give to you not as of the world gives do I give uh, to you let not your hearts be troubled neither let them be afraid now let's talk a little bit about some confusion uh, with the Trinitarian doctrine okay I have heard so many illustrations when it comes to the Trinity the Holy Spirit uh, it's just best not to use illustrations because sometimes when you are talking about this divine mystery sometimes it's just so far-fetched to even grasp the mysteries of the triune God but here's what we do know that we worship one God we worship one God and one God alone yet he is distinct in three persons God the Father God the Son God the Holy Spirit now if your brain has just exploded welcome three in one this is what now we have presented to us this doctrine of the Trinity we've been hearing a lot about God the Father Jesus talks a lot about God the Father he says hey if you you've seen me you've seen the Father and now we've seen the deity of Jesus in John beautifully depicted by the evangelist about who Jesus is that Jesus is God and now we get this third mysterious person thrown into the mix of the triune character of God the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit there's some things you need to know about the Holy Spirit and why this is going to be uh, crucial to our conversation this morning that the Holy Spirit is not a force amen I should have did that because that would have been really cool if I force choked one of you like sometimes I wished I had that power but that's not the Holy Spirit. He's not some mystical force that's out there like 
causing havoc in the world today. Holy Spirit is not an it. You hear sometimes in church, if you grew up in church, you probably heard, like, I caught it. Like, I got it. You got what? A thing? Holy Spirit's not a thing. He's not an it. Holy Spirit is a he. He is God. This is why John depicts and why Jesus says that he will come. Not it will come. Not the force that's greater than any force will come. He will come. And this has caused great confusion among many cults in our world today who think that the Holy Spirit is not a part of the divine trinity of God, that the Holy Spirit is just some mystical thing, some force, some it. But for the orthodoxy of the church history, the Holy Spirit is he is a part of the triune nature of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And this is so incredible to us. Because a lot of us think of the Holy Spirit as something to experience, something that we can just catch. Woo, I caught it. Now, y'all didn't grow up charismatic like I did, but that's what you did. Like, you caught the Holy Spirit like he was the flu or a cold or like a basketball. Whoa, I caught it right there. No, you didn't. You just got to chill. All right? It's hot in here, and then suddenly, like, a cold burst just came upon you. That's what you caught. And we minimize the Holy Spirit in his work as just some type of experience to be had. And then other, others of you, you think that the Holy Spirit is just something that you can just uh, define scholarly, never have a part of your life or never experience in your life. And so you probably, in this room, we may fall in one of these two camps. But here's what Jesus says. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit in the middle of their fears, in the middle of their anxieties, he gives them a promise that what I'm giving you is incredible. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. And he doesn't, like, like just, just bear with me for a moment as I, as I think through this passage. Like, I, I see Jesus, and, and I, I think Jesus could have said a lot of things to address their fears and anxieties. A lot of things that you and I probably would have said. Like, if you're in the room with people who, who have a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety, sometimes, what do you like to do? You like to jump on that roller coaster of anxiety with them. Like, let's all freak out together! <laughs> Parents, y'all know y'all do that when your kids are, like, going crazy. You're just like, I'll go crazy with you, too! Like, Jesus didn't do that. He could have easily just said, let's all freak out! I don't know what's going on. Jesus could have in this moment giving them like, hey, I know y'all are scared, but let's just pause and reflect. I'll give you five tips to a better year. <laughs> Tip one, right? I mean, he could have just laid it out for them. Jesus could have said, y'all, I know y'all scared and everything, but let me just tell you how you can have your best life right now. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be great. Promise. Jesus could have done all these crazy things that like I'm thinking through, like this is how warped my mind is, y'all. Like, I'm just thinking through, like, Jesus could have done all of these things. He could have just been like, y'all, I'm going. Y'all going to be all right? Just work it out yourself. <laughs> all right, because that, that's, honestly, that's probably what I would have done. Like, I don't know. Y'all figure it out yourself. Catch y'all later. I'll be up in paradise. Ha, ha, ha. Right? Ah, but Jesus addresses the fear in him, and he says, I'm going to give you something that's going to be everlasting. 
something that's going to speak to your need right now. And he gives them this glimpse of the eternal triune God and his presence with them right now. That's powerful. And here's the reality. The reality of it is, is that every single one of us who are believers, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. It's not get saved. Let's wait for some supernatural experience to happen. According to scripture, 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? Romans 8 verse 9, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his now, let me, let me do a little work before we get to this work of the Holy Spirit inside of us and all that he has for us, because Jesus says some interesting things that should cause for us to question. Uh, Jesus, before he gives us the promise of the Spirit, you know, he tells us, you're going to do greater things if you ask anything in my name. If it's uh, for my glory, for my purpose, I will do it. And, and now Jesus says, before this promise of the Holy Spirit comes, he says, but if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, who is this promise made to? Those who love him. How do we know we love him? Keep his commandments. It's just that easy. This is interesting because to love Jesus isn't the same type of love. Jesus gives us a lot of love. He gives us unconditional love. Jesus gives us, for the most part, gracious love. Amen. Right? You and I don't deserve that kind of love. Now, are we to reciprocate gracious love to Jesus? No, because Jesus deserves our love. So we are to be in awe of him. Like, how can it be, Jesus, that you would love me? That's how we love him. How could it be, Jesus, that you would choose me, that you would love me, that you would pluck me from the grips of eternal damnation? Like, how can it be, Jesus? To be in awe of him is to love him. To love Jesus is to treasure him above all things. Yeah. That is to love Jesus. Yeah. And then what does he mean? Because you've got to understand that to love Jesus, then keep my commandments. Those aren't the same things. Because if you get those things reversed, then you get like some kind of works-based Christianity. It's not you'll obey him, obey him, do all these good things, and then you'll love him and he'll love you back. It's just love him. And the outworkings of your love for Jesus is that you'll obey him. Now, what are the commands of Jesus? Because he did not say, keep my moral law. Thou shalt not. Watch those bad shows on Netflix. Thou shalt not. Cut your neighbor off on the highway. Thou shalt not. Right? Like Jesus is not giving them this moral law. He's just saying, keep my commandments. You think back through what we've been going through since April in the book of John. What are some of the things Jesus commands? Like, he doesn't say a lot of commands. Like, think about it. what are the commands he says? He says, hey, believe me. Receive me. Trust me. Those are the commands. If you love him, then what happens? In your love for Jesus, the outworkings of that love follow him. 
receive him. Believe him. And then it gets a little deeper in one of the other gospels because it, it, it starts talking about an emphasis John makes and really some of the other gospels makes is that the command, it starts with love the Lord your God and then love your neighbor. Can we all agree that we just need a little bit more love in our culture today? Amen. That's, um, you're probably not going to win over an argument by debating somebody on social media. I hate to break it to you. Happy New Year. But probably you may can begin to win that person over by extending some love to them. Got a lot of hate in our culture today. But I think love can go further than an argument. Now, don't be discouraged because if you have trouble with this, if you have trouble loving your neighbor, and some of you are like, the person beside me, I'm having trouble loving them right now, right? If you have trouble with this, I mean, come on, let's be honest. Sometimes it's very difficult to love your neighbor. Maybe your neighbor could be your spouse. Your, your neighbor, I don't have difficult loving my spouse. Maybe your neighbor is your children. That's difficult. That's southern slang for children, just in case you didn't know. <laughs> Maybe your physical neighbor in your community is just that weird guy. Or gal, I don't want to be sexist, okay? It could be either or, right? Maybe that is very overwhelming to love your neighbor. Well, it's, it's going to be comforting because verse 16 is going to help. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Amen. When it feels like it's overwhelming to love. Let's be honest. When it feels like it's overwhelming just to keep those commands that Jesus says, follow him. To trust him to receive him when that feels overwhelming here's good news for you Jesus sends another the Holy Spirit now in the Greek now anytime I say in the Greek know that I don't speak Greek okay and you don't have to know Greek to study the Word of God I just felt like I needed to say that in fact Google goes a long way anyway uh, and, and so here's here's what the Greek would say Kledos is a verb form of the verb kale. <laughs> I didn't know kale was like a holy thing to eat. It's not. Uh, the verb kale, which means to call, and the para, which means alongside, like, like parallel. So here's where this word comes into play, like paraclete. So he's saying, I'm going to send another one to come alongside of you. Now, come alongside for what? Come alongside for what? Could be an intercessor, could be an advocate, like a legal advocate, could be comforter, could be encourager, it could be somebody perhaps with more wisdom than you have. Newsflash, how about that? Somebody with more truth than you have. Somebody with perhaps more power than you have. Someone with more experience, somebody maybe that has more knowledge than you have. And it's not somebody who's less than you, but somebody infinitely more than you. And here's why I say all of those different things, because that translation is, is difficult to translate. Paracletus is difficult to translate because there are a lot of 
translations of that word. That's powerful. Because now the Holy Spirit, he becomes all of these different things that our minds just can't even fathom. He is your encourager, while also being the counselor, while also being your legal, legal advocate. That's who the Holy Spirit is. Let me just talk through some of these if I can. If he is your legal advocate, then here's what that means. He's your legal, legal advocate to defend you against the enemies of this world and honestly more importantly the enemy of your own heart there's a courtroom that says you are condemned but here is your legal advocate the Holy Spirit says no he's mine he is not only just your legal advocate but he is your friend like think about this friend is someone who helps you when others don't. And they also point out the things in your life that need to be pointed out. You got issues? Then let's pray to God you got a good friend who's going to point that out in your life. If they're not pointing those things out in your life, they're probably not your friend. But the Holy Spirit, He is our friend, and He will oppose anything that's causing you to grow further and further away from Jesus. What about teacher? Like, but the helper, the Holy Spirit and the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things. You guys know why sometimes you get like a, a Bible verse stuck in your head? You're like, where did this scripture come from? I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but that happens to me sometimes. That's the Holy Spirit doing his work, doing his ministry in your life, reminding you of what the scripture, the word of God says to you. He's also your comforter. Like when you're in stress, he's there. When you're anxious, he's there. And this is so crucial, especially in the context of what's happening here. These disciples were in great distress. Jesus says, I'm going to send you a comforter. And I love this other one. He's also the spirit of truth. One of the roles, one of the primary roles, I would say this about the Holy Spirit is that he is always there to point you back to Jesus Christ. Like you, you rarely are going to see Holy Spirit making some spectacle about who he is. John 16 is going to later tell us that the role of the Holy Spirit is to point us back to the glory and majesty of Jesus Christ. That's the primary role of the Holy Spirit. And he's there to give you and be the spirit of truth. He glorifies the son and he tells you the truth about who you really are. Now, I didn't expect no amens right there because that can be terrifying. He tells the truth about you, but then he points you back to Jesus. Oh, you think you're all that? No, Jesus is all that. I think that used to be a song, right? No, that was Jesus is still all right with me. Just kidding. Like, you think you're the point of the story? No, Jesus is the point of the story. You're trying to uh, find fulfillment in all of these relationships and by pursuing after power, sex, and money, and fame? No, pursue after Jesus. He's the one that gives you the fulfillment of your heart. This is the work of the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth to identify those things that you are 
trying to pursue after that will only lead to a false hope and a false peace. And here we have the Holy Spirit who is being ushered into our conversation into the church. The reality is that, like, if you think about this, the spirit of truth, that we have, we have a culture that is ADD. Like, we're always looking for, like, what's shiny, what's the next biggest thing, what's the next greatest thing. Y'all remember the, the, in the movie, um, the prophetic movie, Finding Nemo? When Nemo is, before he goes in this long adventure, his father says, don't touch the butt. And he goes out and he touches the boat. I think all of us are like Nemo. We want to go touch the boat. Not the, the other, the boat. <laughs> Maybe you do. You need to repent, okay? <laughs> I know some of y'all are sick in your mind. Let's pray. And the spirit of truth is there to try to get, hey, hey guys, I, I know those, those things that the, the world is trying to tell you that are great, they're they're wonderful. You think that that's what the world is telling you. It's, it's not. They won't find, they won't give you peace. They won't give you uh, eternal satisfaction. Only Jesus can. It's this, this ADD culture we live in. Like, we just got to have the next greatest thing. But the spirit of truth inside of us is pointing us back to, no, you just need Jesus. Yeah. It's just Jesus and Jesus alone. And he says, and so I'm not sending him to you for just three years, right? Because this is Jesus's ministry, just three years. But you'll have him forever. And he'll do everything that I've done for you. He'll teach you. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. And you're not losing anything. You're gaining the Holy Spirit. And he's not sending them on this impossible mission for this greater things because it seems like it's an impossible mission no he's sending with the right tools to accomplish the mission and that's through the work of the Holy Spirit look at this finally <coughs> in verse 27 notice what the promise of the Holy Spirit he brings us Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. There is that promise again. Neither let them be afraid. This is Jesus' peace, which is going to be very contrary to worldly peace. This is perfect shalom. That perfected shalom that was back in creation. Jesus says, I'm going to leave you with this everlasting, eternal peace. And this peace is not going to come from the shed of blood through wars. This peace will come through the bloodshed of an innocent man who will hang on a cross and die. Jesus is addressing these fears that these disciples have, and perhaps the fear and Anxieties that you have brought into the new year with you. Jesus said, I'm going to give you an everlasting peace. And if you look around the world today, especially if you look at like the events of this past week, you look at the events in the Middle East and the events in Washington or in the events in our community or, or events maybe in your own home, like the world, like we need peace. 
But the world is going to offer you this faux peace that's not going to last you forever. The difference between us as Christians and the non-Christian is that even despite us being in turmoil, we can still have eternal peace. That's the difference, friends. That despite what our world looks like today, Jesus didn't say, I'm going to remove these fears and anxieties from your heart. I'm going to remove you from this situation right now. He didn't say that. He just said, despite the situation that we're in right now, boys, I'm leaving you, and you're just going to feel like you're just all alone. That's not going to change for a little bit. It's going to be very heartache. I mean, it's, you're going to just experience a lot of trauma in the next few hours, in the next few days. Jesus doesn't say, and I'm going to remove you from them. He just says, I'm going to provide you a way that you could experience peace in the issues. And how you do that is through the Holy Spirit. It's found in the Holy Spirit. We're starving. We're craving for something in our lives. We're craving for this peace. We're craving for it. It's like there's this something in our life that's missing. And perhaps what that is for you is the peace that the Holy Spirit gives you and will give you. I love how when the Holy Spirit comes that the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, would choose to make his sanctuary inside us, his church. When the church erupted, the Holy Spirit comes, the church just is on fire there were no liturgical services, no pipe organs, no drums and live music. There wasn't anybody like a comedy act going on just to convince people to love Jesus. There wasn't lights or anything like that. All they had was the gospel, each other, and the Holy Spirit. Here's how we accomplish anything as a church in 2020 and beyond. The gospel, each other, and the Holy Spirit. And it is my fervent prayer for us that all of us would see our need for the gospel, would see our need for each other, and see our need for the Holy Spirit. Remember I told you, Jesus is what he's doing here. He's giving them a vision of the church. Here's what my church looks like. Greater things, gospel. Each other and the Holy Spirit. We're going to move into communion.